Today's episode is brought to you by ECC Frames. After 40 years in the framing business, ECC Frames has gotten into the custom business to market their services to all geeks. Framing comic books, trading cards, movie posters, record albums, gaming cartridges, action figures, and even models with quality and durability. Whether you're talking about frames or cubes, they use fine, durable Italian wood in their framing. UV-resilient acrylic and acid-free black matte board around the collectible. They also have different colors in frames and matte boards and can work with you to customize the look of your frame or cube to make an artful presentation you'll be proud to present in your Geek Cave. ECC did a great job for me preserving my original Spider-Man comic strips. I've talked about it before. Written by Stan Lee, drawn by Larry Lieber. They can do it for you at very reasonable rates. Think about it. You've probably spent hundreds or even thousands of dollars on a toy, a trading card, a comic book, or some vintage collectible. Don't you want to present and protect it from damaging sunlight and wear? Go to eccframes.com, see their work online, contact them about making a customized frame or cube for your collectible. Use the promo code WORDBALLOON for an additional savings on your order. Again, that's eccframes.com with the promo code WORDBALLOON. And now, on to the show. Hi, everybody. Time again for another Word Balloon comic book conversation. John Suntress here. We've got uh, Nick Spencer with us today to talk about the Secret Empire event coming this summer from Marvel. You know what's been going on ever since Captain America has uttered Hail Hydra and upset half of the Internet. Um, Cap is secretly evil, and uh, we've been seeing his machinations in uh, Steve Rogers' Captain America and uh, other books in the Marvel Universe that have a different perspective when you know that in the back of his mind, Captain America is plotting against the heroes of the Marvel Universe and plotting a very grand scheme. It's going to all come out in Secret Empire. I think it's been a very entertaining story. Uh, I I love when something different like this and extreme happens. And uh, as I've said before, what do you do when the most trusted man in the Marvel Universe becomes its biggest enemy? That sounds like a cool story. So I'm in great conversation with Nick Spencer to share with you on today's Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. There are tremendous deals going on on some amazing books at InStockTrades.com. One of my favorite Justice Society stories from James Robinson and Paul Smith, uh, The Golden Age, has been re-released in a deluxe hardcover edition. It is uh, 50% off at InStockTrades.com, just $17.49. Tremendous post-World War II story about the Justice Society. You can also get Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu, the third volume of the Omnibus with the Mike Zek cover is available. Doug Munch, tremendous work on that book. So many great artists on that book as well. 42% off for this giant Omnibus, $72.50. There's Deadly Class, Volume 5, Carousel which uh, I believe uh, wraps up the first uh, season of Deadly Class. Great book from uh, Wesley Craig and, of course, Rick Remender. 42% off. It's just $8.69. Some of the great deals that are going on now at InStockTrades.com. Go to the website, find the great deals and great prices. Remember, if your orders are $50 or more, you receive free shipping from InStockTrades.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. Um, As you know, I am between jobs right now. I would love to make Word Balloon a full-time position that I can uh, give you new shows uh, a lot more frequently and uh, keep uh, having these wonderful conversations uh, with the people of pop culture. 
But to do that, I could certainly use your help. If you can afford it, would you consider subscribing to Word Balloon via Patreon? If you go to patreon.com slash wordballoon, that's where my subscription page is. Is Word Balloon worth the price of a comic book a month to you? I think I give you a lot of uh, entertainment uh, that certainly lasts a lot longer than reading a a single comic book. And we have uh, wonderful conversations with uh, your favorite uh, creative people in the pop culture circles. Consider it if you would. You can either go to wordballoon.com and click on the Patreon ad there. That will take you to my webpage. Or you can uh, go to patreon.com slash wordballoon to subscribe directly. But uh, again, I I keep getting uh, new people subscribing every week. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Without further ado, let's uh, pick up our conversation with Nick Spencer. Great conversation about Captain America. What could be going on in the mind of Steve Rogers? Well... Nick gives us a glimpse in this conversation now on Word Balloon. All right, he's uh, been uh, spending uh, for the last uh, six, eight months or so breaking the internet and uh, upsetting people with uh, his Captain America stories. But I am, uh, I am a fan, and I am. Uh, I guess it comes to fruition this summer with uh, a big uh, Marvel event where Captain America. It's finally going to happen. Uh, he is going to be the bad guy. Nick Spencer joins us I, yeah. uh, to discuss uh, the Secret Empire event. It's uh, always a pleasure, Nick. Well, I am loved by millions. <laughs> hey, man, you had, you had me at day one. Thanks, thanks, thanks. You had me, you know, with the, seriously, with the premise, because, again, it's it's fun to see. You know, I just had Tom Taylor on. Yeah. And we were talking about injustice. Yeah. and And really, at a time... When there were all these, like, lousy, frankly, DC stories, here's this crazy idea of, hey, what if Superman were to declare martial law and just go nuts? And this is even more devious because on the surface, God, we've been seeing it happen, um, even though, you know, Hail Hydra happened, uh, was, I forget now, was Secret Wars... um, or rather, excuse me, was Civil War Two? This was before Civil War. We the the Hell Hydra moment happened right before uh, yeah. Civil War Two. Civil War Two, I think, came out the next week or so. Uh, it was oh, all wow, there. It was cool. all there in May uh, that that everything launched, and obviously, it was a, a couple months later that we tied into Civil War Two. But yeah, uh, it, it all kind of hit there in that there in that early start of summer. Okay. Well, and also you had your mini event, Avengers uh, Standoff. Avengers Standoff, yeah, happened in uh, like March and April. You know. So. Yep. And and that's and that's really the genesis, and you know, to bring people up to date, and you fill in the blanks. A sentient cosmic cube has uh, found herself under the uh, control of the Red Skull, and this is when Steve was still an old man. Yeah, I mean, and, it, uh, it sounds ridiculous yeah. when you say it like that, but we actually did, <laughs> uh, you know, lay our groundwork here. And it was, you know, it was the plan all through standoff. It's, it's why standoff existed in the first place. Uh, you know, that was originally the, um, the anniversary issue, the 75th anniversary issue of Captain America. And, you know, Tom came to me and said, you know, we're looking at, at doing something in the spring. Uh, as an as an Avengers family event, we we haven't really done one of those before, and uh, you know we, they had done Black Vortex with the Guardians and X Men books the year before, so they were kind of looking for something right. uh, in that format. And I was like, well, you know, if you're going to give me more pages, I'll take them. 
so, uh, you know, we ended up building it out into standoff, and standoff was a lot of fun, and, and you know, I, one of the things I like about it is it, it's, it still can be read on its own and enjoyed on its own, uh, you know, if, if you if you never paid any attention to the Hydrocap stuff, uh, you would, you know, still get a full and complete story there. Uh, but all the groundwork was laid uh, between the early issues of Sam Wilson Cap and Avengers Standoff. We, we definitely, you know, had the plan all throughout and, and brought it to fruition there. And, and that led us to Steve Rogers' Captain America number one there at the start of May uh, and the Big Hail Hydra reveal. Yeah, and that uh, and that set everyone off. <laughs> Holy shit, what's going on? Well, it, Cap is a hydrogen and had been all along, and, the folks, and it sounded so, you know, how dare you? And, oh, everyone was just up in arms. And it's, you know, again, forgive me, but, you know, I grew up with those uh, DC imaginary stories. And granted, they had the imaginary story, you know, quotations, but, you know, Batman grows up as a criminal, and he's shooting Superman, and... You know, Lex Luthor kills Superman, and, and yeah, Superman's evil, and it's just like, all right, it's just a story, and I'm sure there's going to be uh, an explanation. And, you know, fine, it sounds convoluted when you when you say the sentient cosmic cube in rejuvenating Cap has rebuilt him from literally the ground up, not just internally and, and uh, physically, but we've been getting in, in Steve Rogers' Captain America this really fun alternative, almost like Superman Red Sun. Where, you know, here's this, this parallel uh, story of, and if, you know, this manipulated by time Steve Rogers, who, I mean, I loved from the start when, uh, I mean, I assume that's, that, that's uh, the Red Skull's daughter that, that shows up and meets Steve Rogers' mom and says, hey, we've got this uh, community organization right during the Depression that, that might help people like <laughs> you. It's called Hydra. It, it is. It is <laughs> not uh, the Red Skull's daughter. Lots of folks had that as a theory, and I, I, I really? love that theory. Um, and I, I get it because it's Eliza Sinclair, and so people heard the sin in it. And sure, that's a good job, Internet. But uh, no, uh, you know, it's it, she's a different character, and um, uh, you'll be spending some more time with her here in uh, Steve Rogers' Captain America thirteen. I want to say is is all about the thirteen or fourteen. Uh, okay. You'll be spending a little more time with her, and uh, you'll see a lot more familiar faces kind of align themselves with her. It's 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 one of my favorite issues of the run. But um, you know, going back to to what you were saying before, uh, I, I mean, in terms of the audience response, and I know we talked about this a little bit last time, but yeah. what you learn is uh, people really do want to be taken for the ride, um, and you 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 learn. Uh, that you have to take the outrage and the horror, uh, you know, for what it is, which is that they're on the they're on the roller coaster, and they're coming up on the uh, you know they're they're coming up on the part where they're going to go upside down, and so they're you know they're 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 screaming, and if you ask people what they think of a roller coaster at that moment, uh, they're going to tell you that they do not like it at all, uh, and if they wish that they weren't on it. And, you know, when they get off, they'll be like, oh, that was so much fun. Let's do that again. Sure. But when you're at that part of the story, you, you genuinely learn. Like, like it's such a tricky thing because at times, you know, you'll have people really lose their minds and say awful, awful stuff to you. And, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll, you know, want to 
want to spend a year's worth of therapy bills trying to work through some of the, the abuse that you get. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what you, what you really learn is your alternative to that is everybody looking at your story and, and saying, eh, I'm sure it'll be fine. And that would actually be so much worse. Uh, you know, that this is just a necessary evil to this kind of story that people are going to say, look, nothing makes me happier than when I read people saying things like, I don't see how they'll ever fix this. Uh, you know, that is the idea. You know, when, when, sure. when Houdini is, is, you know, like like in the trap, you were there to see Houdini get out of the trap. If you thought that he could do it, you know, when they set it up, you wouldn't be interested. Uh, you Absolutely. know, it is. Yeah, no, slide ahead. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all about, uh, you know, making the reader believe it, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, we more than succeeded. I, I was, as a kid, I was a huge fan of War of the Worlds and, you know, the whole. Orson Welles story. Orson Welles. Yeah, the whole Orson Welles story about, you know, uh, doing the radio broadcast and everybody losing their minds and people being out in the streets. And, you know, for most of my life, I would still look, look at that and say, like, how did that happen? Like, people could turn over to another station and hear nothing. Uh, you know, uh, people, could, people could look out their window and see that, no, chaos hadn't broken out. Uh, but they did because... People like being swept up in stories. Even when they won't admit it, they want to believe them. Uh, and, you know, so this has been really instructive for me, um, you know, in, in, in kind of rediscovering that. that that's, uh, uh, you know, that that's really part of the job, and I think we were really successful on that front. Even at times when folks think that, you know, we're kind of overwhelmed by the blowback or, or negative feedback or what have you. Uh, look, we've done a horrible thing to Steve Rogers. We've done a horrible thing to, people, to, to people's favorite character. Uh, sure. It's it's okay to look at this part of the story and say that's awful. You know that that's that's so bad. Uh, you know I can't believe that they would do that. That is, uh, you know, you you go through the history of Marvel, and you know the most memorable stories. Uh, you know the stories that everybody talks about are the stories that got the angriest letters. It's just the reality of it that, you know, Chris Claremont and John Byrne, after the death of Jean Grey, you know, could not open envelopes. You know, that, that just, just it, you know, the, 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 the feedback was so brutal. Um, you know... Michelini and Leighton after Demon in a Bottle. With exactly. Him. I mean, it's just over and over. You see that the, the stories that we all still talk about, the stories that we all still remember... Uh, you know, they are the ones that, uh, you know, got the most ferocious feedback. Uh, it, it, to hear people say it now, uh, the Winter Soldier and the Return of Bucky was instantly received as the most loved Captain America story of all time. And as a fan uh, who, you know, paid a lot of attention to this stuff at that time and was like, you know, starting to work on his first pitches and everything, I can promise you that was not the case. That when I have the I have the word balloon evidence, <laughs> uh, much like our conversations, my conversations with Ed Brubaker, yeah. and even Ed kind of allowing a little more uh, uh, peek around the curtain and stuff, going, you know, yeah, don't worry, uh, yeah, know, this, is, this is all heading somewhere, and he even mentioned Joe Simon back then playing along, and oh, it's a sad day to see Steve Rogers go. 
90-year-old Joe Simon. Exactly. You know? like, yeah, why not? I mean, you know, that, and I can remember when, when Bucky was brought back, you know, the Internet thought that that was absolute sacrilege, that that was the most unthinkable, yeah. worst idea they'd ever heard for the character. And you would get these, these folks who, you know, would write pages worth of, of why this was the worst idea. Now – we almost universally regard it as one of the best ideas, uh, you know, that a cap writer ever had. And, you know, uh, uh, you know that's not to, to, to make comparisons or whatever to those stories. But all, all I can say is, is you know, this is, this is the constant. You know, the constant is that the stories that get this kind of initial response tend to be uh, the stories that, that we remember the most. And, and you know, you can only – when you're in it, all you can really do is try to execute on your game plan, uh, you know, try to tell the story that you set out to tell, try to block out the noise, uh, and, you know, uh, continue like it's business as usual. Um, and that's, that's, that's certainly what we've, what we've tried to do. There's been uh, practically nothing uh, about this story that has changed from the minute that it was pitched way back in like January and February of 2015, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm consistently amazed. I can go back to those emails uh, and see that the DNA is really intact. The chain of events is really intact. Uh, you know, so, and, and I give a lot of credit to, to, to Marvel on that front, uh, you know, and we're seeing it through. And now as we, kind of get into Secret Empire, we're really, uh, you know, at that kind of, in that kind of red zone offense, you know, we're kind of in that, uh, you know, in in that closing stage. So um, it's, it's, you know, it's been a, it's, it's, it's been a pretty massive undertaking. Uh, you know, certainly at Marvel, I don't think I've done anything that's, uh, you know, had this long in terms of setup and delivery and, and, uh, so to kind of be where I am now, which is, you know, writing the Secret Empire scripts and, uh, you know, starting to see, you know, the end of the tunnel on that, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty, pretty incredible to, to, to have gotten this far with it because it's an insane idea. Really. Sure. Uh, I mean, you talked about Red Sun and, you know, Red Sun is one of my favorite stories. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that I said to, to Tom, uh, you know, at the outset was, you know, there are lots of stories like this in, in, in comics, but, you know, there are always alternate reality stories, you know, that there are always Elseworlds or what ifs or whatever. And, you know, or, you know, alternate timelines and futures, that kind of thing. And I was like, what if we just did it? You know, like what, what if, what if, what if we did one of those stories uh, you know, in the actual canon Marvel universe, um, and that's why I think it's 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 still one of the more ambitious Marvel stories that I've that I've seen or been a part of. Uh, is that really we did kind of approach this uh, with uh, you know uh, caution thrown to the wind a little more and kind of a willingness to go farther. Uh, than we had in the past, and uh, you know, I, I, I I'm I'm pretty proud of that. That's cool. I'm uh, I, like I said, I've enjoyed reading this alternate history of of Steve's life, 
because of what what's her name again the uh, the cosmic cube uh, cosmic cube Kobik, thank you and again introduced in uh, Avengers standoff I believe yeah yeah and and so uh, you know no it's it's great and I mean uh, it, you know I want you to catch people up as much as you feel you want to uh, I'm caught up I've read you know I've read uh, Steve Rogers Captain America up to eleven sure. so on the Steve Rogers side uh, you know. There, there were you know things at the start of the story. Again, some of the moves that Steve made, where you're like, "What the hell is going on?" Uh, not only from a Hail Hydra standpoint, but also uh, people that he seemed to want to get out of the way are now seemingly his allies. And a big part of that too is Baron Zemo. Yeah. So you know what? What can you tell us about uh, Steve and Baron Zemo's? Uh, uh, past and current relationship. Well, one of the big uh, influences for me when I was putting this together was uh, House of Cards, and uh, particularly um, you know the season of House of Cards where Frank is kind of climbing his way to the presidency. Um, mm-hmm. a, what I really liked about the structure of that story is uh, the, re- the the viewer uh, is very much in the dark. Um, about why the various things that Frank Underwood is doing at the time are, you know, why they matter or how they're connected, um, you know, and, and, and how they all play off of each other. And you, you keep seeing him do these little things. You know, the, the, the visible one is obviously the, the, the knocking on the desk. Uh, you know, you keep seeing them repeated, uh, and, you know, you keep kind of revisiting uh, these seemingly uh, unconnected threads and uh, you know you're you're, you're watching uh, all of them develop seemingly separate, and then you see them all kind of come together and coalesce, and you're horrified as you kind of watch how this guy has manipulated everyone, and and you knew he was up to no good, uh, but you didn't fully understand uh, the scope and scale of what he was trying to pull off as he's trying to pull it off, uh, you know, and so structurally, I took I took some cues from that. And, um, you know, so it was a funny thing to kind of have those first issues of, and particularly the second arc of, of the Steve Cap book come out because you, you have people just saying, like, you know, what, so there's aliens now? What's, what's this got to do with anything? Or, you know, uh, uh, you know, the Red Skulls in Sokovia, what's, what's the deal with that? And uh, now, you know, as we're getting a little deeper, People are just beginning to see, uh, you know, how it all kind of ties together. Um, and uh, uh, Zemo uh, has always been, a, you know, a really major component uh, of this story. And, you know, talking about the alternate timeline, that's really been my favorite stuff to write in all this. I, 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 I it's been a lot of fun to just kind of imagine yeah. this, uh, you know, awful. What would be different? Yeah, what would be different? Uh, but but still, and forgive me for interrupting you, but yeah, literally what would be different uh, in Steve's life but still get him to the super soldier level and, yeah, some of the choices you've made and, and the replacements of people uh, due to this more evil bent than, than the original. Yeah, I mean, almost everybody had, almost everybody had like a really convenient uh, inverted figure, you know. Um, and in Zemo's case, he really is kind of an inverted Bucky. You know, and I felt like that yeah. was really consistent with how the character has been shown. Uh, you know, the character has always sort of 
uh, sought Steve's approval even when he's trying to kill him. There's just there's kind of an obsessive quality uh, to Zemo when it comes to to, to both Steve and his father. Um, that uh, you know, to me, to me, it says you know that, that, that there's something besides hatred here. That there's you know kind of a, a desire to be understood by somebody, a desire to connect with somebody. Uh, and so, you know, when it was when it was time to think about, you know, who would be populating, uh, you know, Hydra Steve's world, uh, you know, and, and who would, you know, who would be the the, the sort of, uh, you know, Black Mirror version of these characters, uh, you know, Zemo and Bucky were pretty obvious. So you could see that if things played out differently. Steve and Zemo would be absolute best friends and be inseparable. And, and, and uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, and, and what you see in the, in the Zemo issue, you know, when Steve confronts him with all this uh, and Steve kind of goes back through, uh, you know, Zemo's actual continuity, his actual history, uh, you know, Zemo is willing to believe this, you know, that, that, that he's hit a low enough point and he's been through enough, and he's sort of aimless. And you know, this 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 guy who has been, you know, a, a figure of obsession for him his entire life, and who he's kind of subconsciously always been seeking the approval of, is now standing there saying, you know, you're my best friend. Uh, you know, you're you're you know, I can't do this without you. Uh, and it's kind of everything the guy has been waiting to hear. You know, if you go back to the Brubaker run, you know, and when Zemo pops up, uh, you know, his his whole thing is he's furious at Bucky for wearing that costume. He's furious at Bucky for getting a second chance. And you can it, – it, it's, it's between the lines, but it's really all about he's angry that this guy has Steve's approval despite the awful things that he's done. And, uh, you know, so to me – uh, that that just made it incredibly obvious uh, that if Steve stood in front of him and said, everything you believe is a lie, your father loved you, I love you, like, you know, we're your family, uh, he would definitely take that deal. Uh, you know, that, that he has never been, he's never been a guy who's, great at attaching to reality. He's, he's, he's always been uh, a little out of place and frustrated and angry about that. Uh, you know, his issues with his father are tortured. And, you know, if you, if you read stuff like Born Better, you know, like him confronting his family and his past, uh, you know, are a big part of who the character is. And, you know... Was that a... Was Born Better a Thunderbolts? Born Better was a Thunderbolts uh, series uh, that Fabian did, uh, you know, that, that, cool. that kind of, uh, you know, it had Zemo going through time and, and, and kind of uh, meeting different parts of the of the Zemo dynasty. And, uh, you wow. know, it, it, it's, it's, it's really great. Um, and, I'm going to have to look that up on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, definitely. Thank definitely. you. And, it, and it, 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 is, it is really fantastic, and it's, it's one of those books that you kind of go back to. You know, it's, it's kind of that and Under Siege and the early Thunderbolts issues are, are kind of things right. that I go back to to kind of make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, getting Zemo right as a character. For me, Under Siege is the formative Zemo story, you know, that, that that's – Good yeah, that, that's really um, where I came to the character and where he became a, a, a favorite for me. So I'll always have 
uh, a little bit of that, um, you know, stalkery Zemo uh, as as you know uh, as 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 my guy. But um, yeah, so uh, it, but you know, in that Zemo kind of confronts the fact that his father was actually a really bad guy. Um, you know, and uh, kind of gets gets some closure on that. But the reality is, especially when it comes to parent issues and daddy issues, uh, very few people will ever like hit a moment where they're like, "Well, I've I've cracked that. I've I've, I've solved that puzzle. <laughs> it's uh, it's Miller time, right, exactly. I'm, That's psychosis. I'm really gone. cool with with you know my <laughs> awful parent now. That's you know that's that's not usually something that sticks. Sometimes we have those moments of clarity, and then I think everybody's familiar with you have that moment of clarity where you're like, I've I've made some peace with this, and then you know a couple of years later you're like, nope, it's still yeah. still rolling around in my head. And I think that that you know for Zemo, he spent most of his life, uh, you know, trying to defend his father's legacy and trying to believe that his father was this hero and was a good guy, and um. Uh, you know, and that Steve was the villain. Um, and then he ends up kind of transferring a lot of those feelings to Steve. Um, and so to me, Steve walking into the room at this guy's lowest point in his life and saying, guess what? You win on both fronts. Your dad was great and he loved you. I'm great and I love you. So let's go take over the world. Which, And that's the other thing is, is on top of everything, he's like, also – now I'd like to help you with everything that you ever wanted to do. So, uh, you know, I was hard-pressed to see how Zemo would even hesitate for a second uh, in that situation. And, um, uh, you know, so – but, it, it, again, that's another one of those moments where, you know, that was in the initial pitch for all this. And so to finally have gotten it and gotten to write it and gotten it out there, uh, you know, it's sometimes when you hold on to these stories for so long – you know, and I encountered this with like Morning Glories on the Creator End side too. You know that that you know you had this idea years ago, and finally uh, you'll get to you'll get to write it, and uh, you know finally you'll see it drawn, and and it, it, there's just this like sense of relief, like you've been like you've been carrying something on your back uh, for ages, and and you know so to see all that coming out and see people responding to it, and see the Zemo fans by and large and the Thunderbolts fans by and large seeming to dig it, that, that's that's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Now, how much, I mean, and it's funny because we didn't know it, or I didn't know at the time, but when we were talking about Avengers standoff, I would talk about what Brian had planned for Civil War II. Was Avengers standoff a prelude to Civil War II? Now that I understand the clarity of, of that you were telling, obviously, a separate story, um, events of Civil War II certainly are dovetailing into uh, Secret Empire because... Maria Hill's fall, uh, the the collateral damage that Captain Marvel has to face from from her actions and stuff, you know, is did that make it easier? I mean, whatever would have been happening in the Marvel universe. I mean, I, obviously, I'm sure Brian was probably pitching Civil War two, maybe at the same time that you were pitching this Pretty story. Much. How much of yeah? Well, okay, and and yeah, tell me how much Brian's story helped, or you know, was it like oh great? This is going to fit in great, or did you have to re- rework things to kind no, of it was, you know, have, have those players? It was yeah, a huge help to me. I couldn't really believe, uh, you know, when it all came out, I couldn't believe how lucky I'd gotten uh, that it was the perfect story 
to come before all this and to come during all this because you know if if I'm wanting to tell a story where all the heroes you know are divided and distracted and you know in a bad place and that helps sure. empower Steve to realize his goals uh, you know Civil War II was just this huge gift that got put in front of me where uh, you know suddenly there were you know uh, characters like Carol and and Tony that were going to be in you know these 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 really bad rough spaces coming out of it um, and you know for me uh, I couldn't have asked for anything better that that uh, and when I did the oath you know when I did the Civil War two epilogue I, I mean that was as soon as as soon as uh, Civil War two was on the table and as soon as word of it got to me. Uh, you know, I immediately asked Tom uh, to write the epilogue because I, I just I knew right away that, uh, you know, that the two stories could help each other and could serve each other. And, um, you know, in our Civil War II tie-ins, you know, we got to do a lot of really fun stuff with Steve pulling strings behind the scenes and how he plays a hand in what happens to, to, to Banner um, you know, and how he's kind of in the background of a lot of scenes, manipulating things. Um, it, it, you know, for me, it just it was absolutely the best thing that could that could that could come. And you know, I think for Brian, you know, he got to do things like the you know the Miles Morales and Cap Vision, where if you're reading Cap, you understand why Miles might be in that spot in that moment. Uh, and, you know, we got to both build a lot out of that moment. So, yeah, it's just, you know, if there had been an event uh, last year that had a really unambiguously happy ending and all the heroes, like, got together and worked together and, and you know, came out of it feeling good, I you know, I still could have done it, but it would have I would have had to do some extra work of making people believe that these heroes are, in fact, divided and at a lower point again. And as a result of Civil War II, I had so much of that work done for me. And not just done for me, but, uh, you know, it all lined up so perfectly in terms of, in terms of uh, you know, things like especially where, like, Carol Danvers is at this point, you know, and, and the kinds of things that she's undertaking now with the Planetary Defense Shield. And that's so in line with how Carol has been depicted and shown in Civil War II. Uh, you know that uh, if 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 the one story hadn't come before the other, uh, it might have stretched credulity. You know, like like, but because you just seen Carol go through this same kind of thing, uh, you know, you, you understand that that's that's who she is right now, and that's what she's trying to do. And uh, so, I got incredibly lucky, and you know, Brian. Uh, was you know very helpful and and you know gave me a lot of great stuff to work with and gave me a lot of room to play with both in my tie-ins and in uh, the epilogue and and um, you know so yeah it, it that was really uh, just the stars aligning the right way it didn't it didn't uh, force me to change much at all um, it, you know it, there were things about my story that I was maybe going to do in the first you know, four, five, six issues that then became things that were second art things. But that was, uh, that was a, that was a more than acceptable price to pay. That was a screaming deal to get to do the stuff that we got to do, uh, 
with our Civil War II tie-ins. And, and, you know, we got – when you are launching a new book and it's apparent that you got to start tying into an event, at, you know, that early on in your run at issue four, issue sure. five, that can create a lot of nerves, you know, that, that you can you can definitely be sure. uh, in a spot where you're, like, just getting your story started and you tie into something too quickly and your tie-ins don't have the juice and, uh, you know – your book kind of wanders and wastes time. Uh, thankfully, it just lined up just enough to where we kind of got through issue four and we were able to go all in on Civil War II. And honestly, when the Civil War II tie-ins hit, that was really when I, I felt like the audience started to respond. You know, when they really started to get that this story is about nobody knowing what's happened to Steve – and how what he can do and how he can manipulate that trust that they have in him. Uh, that, the Civil War II issues were really where people could start to see that, you know, that that, that, that Iron Man trusted him completely and, and, and Captain Marvel trusted him completely, uh, and it really bit them. Uh, you know, that's, that's when, that's when I, I, I saw a lot of people who were kind of on the fence really get on board. Uh, so, sure. they, so it was a, it was the, it was a huge help for us. Well, it it added a level of meta subtext to Brian's story that only existed if you knew it was happening in your story. Because if you're just reading Civil War one through eight, Cap's being Cap, yeah. and and then that that great moment when he and Miles Morales, you know, are there in front of it wasn't the Capitol, like yeah. it was in DC right. or whatever on the steps. And yeah, and it's just like, hey, look, it's friendly. Well, and Brian, America's you know, America's friend. Brian did such a great <laughs> job with those scenes. You know, when Steve pops up in books, and thankfully this has been really rare, you know, but you're always cautioning whoever's writing them to not have him act really differently. And you know, sure. uh, uh, you know, I would always just joke with people, you know, don't don't have him say like, well, maybe people should die or something like that. You know that like. It's, he's, he's Steve Rogers. He's capable of of going deep cover, you know. Like like he's a smart guy. He's not going to tip his hand. It's not, you know. Uh, with Superior Spider Man, part of the fun was like he was suddenly just acting in, incredibly different, and that was a fun thing to force all the other characters to respond to. But this this is a character who wants who doesn't ever want to be caught. You know, he 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 wants you to believe that he's the same guy that he's always been. Uh, and so he should give you inspiring speeches, and he should, you know, he should be uh, the leader that everybody looks up to still. And, you know, the best scenes are when you can have your cake and eat it too on that front, where he can give you a really inspiring speech, uh, you know, but then if you really look at where he just got you, uh, it could be really bad. And so, you know, yeah. the, the best scenes are, are when it comes together like that. But, you know, if nothing else... Uh, you know, Steve should still seem to be heroic and a good guy at all times. And Brian, no you know, Brian got that right away. And, you know, uh, they were scenes that I, you know, when they sent him over to me, I, I, I didn't have to, you know, ask for anything because he, he, he just, you know, immediately understood that. No, I hear you, man. And well, like I said, I, as a, as a reader, that's, that's what excited me about Hail Hydra. You know, that's, you know, and it's funny I wonder, post-Secret Empire, uh, it'll be interesting to see how history remembers this run. 
Because you're right. I mean, again, secret, uh, Superior Spider-Man, another great example of how dare you <laughs> show Peter Parker and so many heartfelt blogs. Oh, my God, my yeah. hero is gone. And it's, that's, you know, that's, uh, But again, again, you can complain about that stuff. And, and believe me, I have, sure. I have my moments. Nobody likes to open up their their you know their Twitter notifications and and you know get called a Nazi a thousand times or what have you. That's not sure. that's not fun sure. for anybody. But it, what you what you have to keep telling yourself is you know uh, this is this is part of the ride. You know that people ca- you wanted to work on these characters that people really care about and have all this passion for. And, you know, uh, you, they wouldn't be fans of the character if they didn't want to protect the character from bad things happening to them. But, unfortunately, I have a very different role to play in all that. I have to put the characters through bad things. And, I, you know, I, I have to, uh, you know, like, like I have to give them adversity and conflict. Uh, and as much as people believe that they want some kind of safe, uh, you know, easy to work their way through conflict where, you know, the hero is fighting somebody who is unambiguously bad and the outcome is never really in danger. I promise nobody actually wants that. Like that is, that is what everybody says that they want. Uh, but it is definitely not what they actually want. You want to believe that the character is, is, you know, beyond saving. You want to believe that something, you know, unspeakably horrible has happened uh, because, you know, you want to see how these characters survive. You want to see how they climb their way out of it. Uh, that is that is part of the show. And um, it, it can be really tough. And, you know, when you're at the beginnings of stories and even when you're in the middle of the stories, uh, it, you know, the, the, it, the, that, that, that resistance can be fierce. But... Um, you know, we have a lot of confidence in, in, in where we're going. Well, and again, it's going to be fun watching Steve using his skills in, an, in a devious way that is going to upset uh, some, some Marvel heroes that, again, are walking into this with, with nothing but trust because why wouldn't there be anything but trust? And again, like you said, it's important for Steve to maintain that level of trust, that that's what's going to be exciting. And we don't know what's going to happen next. I mean, it's you're right. It is really hard to do a traditional 60s or 70s or 80s, like you said, obvious bad guy and stuff, and really find enjoyment. In, yeah, in, well, and even, even back then, you know, back then it was just handled a little differently. You know, back then, Superman covers had, you know, uh, crazy, crazy things on them. You know, for a reason. You know, the, the, you know. The, the yeah, people just need to. If they don't remember, there's a blog called Superman is a right. Dick, and 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 oh god, the late Silver Age and Bronze Age and stuff. It's you know, how, Superman, you're killing Jilly Yeah, Jilly how many yeah, covers of, of of Superman <laughs> back in those days, where you know some version of Superman has gone bad and is going to kill us all. It, you know, it's, yep. it's, it's it's they probably did that every other month for a while. So Pretty so uh, you know what you what. What you have, just have to understand is, you know, the method of delivery has shifted, you know, that stories are bigger yes. and more serialized. But this is always what we've done. It's always what we've done is, you know, to get you to pick it up, uh, you know, the, 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 the cover and the first few pages uh, were always there to tell you, you know, we're always there to horrify you and tell you that this is the worst thing that's ever happened to the character. 
Um, you know, so even in the days of what we think of as kind of safe storytelling, they were really doing the same thing. It's just, again, a lot more of those stories were self-contained, one-and-done stories, uh, you know, which, which we do less of now. But, um, you know, the reality is doing shocking things to the characters is as old as the characters themselves. The, uh, you know, and, and, you know, who knows who the first person was but, you know, at, at least at Marvel, you know, somebody sent Stan Lee a letter saying this would never happen to that character you created. And, you know, uh, it, it, ever since then, you know, the, 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 the fans have had this sense of ownership and, you know, that, that, you know, that these characters kind of belong to them and they're very protective of them and defensive of them and they, they love them and, and, you know, they mean something to them, as, as, you know, and uh, – you know that that's uh, that's why they've lasted. You know why 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 they stuck around so long. So, but you know the other reason why they've lasted is because you know writer after writer and artist after artist have come in and told stories with them that are in fact compelling and put them through things that you know we we then tend to remember as kind of the seminal moments. Let's talk about Sam Wilson uh, because the, you know he's the other I think locomotive that's heading down the same track and eventually, you know, Sam is going to wise up. Where, and I have to, I'll, I will confess to you and, and the listeners that I'm not as up to, uh, on spe- up to speed on my Sam Wilson as I am on uh, my Steve Rogers book, but so yeah, where is he, and I mean, is, is there anyone in Sam's periphery that is starting to smell that something's wrong with Steve? No, Sam is Sam is still at this point pretty oblivious, you know. Um, I mean, one of Sam's big weak spots is is uh, you know when Steve was still an old man and still himself and everything. Uh, you know, they had had a falling out, uh, and uh, you know over over the whisper and over the leaked shield intel and and you know they were they were kind of at odds with one another and and it, it got kind of ugly and. Um, uh, you know, so when Steve comes back again, it's 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 one of those examples of sometimes the best way to manipulate somebody is to tell them exactly what they want to hear. And you know, for sure. for Sam, he has his old best friend back, and they've made up. And um, you know, so Sam is more trusting than ever in some ways. Sam is Sam certainly. Uh, does not want to find himself in disagreement with Steve again. And I think, you know, any, anybody, you know, with close friendships knows what that is, that, you know, you have some kind of falling out and you patch it up, you're going to be extra careful not to fall into that trap again. And, um, you know, so that's kind of where Sam is on that front, you know, is he's gone to Steve and, uh, you know, asked Steve for advice a few times and, uh you know, again, that kind of, it kind of goes back to that that thing of if you can do scenes where Steve says inspiring things that sound like the right answer, and in some cases might even be, uh, but you know, that dig you into a bigger hole. Um, that's kind of where Sam has found himself. That that Steve is is actively scheming to break him, uh, you know, and uh, you know is is. Uh, uh, you know, kind of actively steering him towards his own demise in some ways, and uh, um, a, so uh, for for 
Sam, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. That he's he's in the downward part of that arc, and uh, a lot of that stuff really has nothing to do with Steve. Um, you know that that um, you know Steve might be giving him some small pushes here and there, but you know the reality is that that Sam is confronted with the same problems that he's been uh, confronted with. Almost since he became Captain America, certainly you know the, the the entirety of my run has really been about how he will never be accepted uh, by a significant portion of the public. Uh, you know that uh, because of who he is, and because of you know the fact that he uh, you know has made his opinions known a little bit more and has been a little bit more of an uh, of a direct cap in terms of taking stands on things that are important to him. Uh, you know, he's kind of been sucked into, uh, uh, you know, partisan and media vortex, you know, uh, where um, everything that he says is manipulated, everything that, uh, you know, everything, nothing that he does is ever acceptable. Um, and, uh, you know, that is just continuing to have diminishing returns. And on, on top of that, uh, as a result of our Americop story, you know, Sam is really confronting some things um, that are directly challenging to an African-American wearing the wearing the Captain America suit and, and wielding that shield. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's having to confront you know, some ugly parts of, of, of our society and, and, and who we are. And, um, you know, the Americop story is, is, uh, you know, heavily steeped in allegory, uh, you know, but it's, but it's, 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 it's really about, uh, you know, a very familiar debate and struggle, uh, in, in our, in our society and in our culture. And, you know, he's, he's hitting a wall, you know, he's, he's, um, uh, you know, he's, he's facing a, a really significant uh, resistance and, um, you know, he's, he's, he's got to confront it and decide what he wants to do. Um, you know, Sam has been kind of reluctant and exhausted by this role for some time. There has not been a lot of sunlight for him. It has been a very thankless job. In many ways, and uh, you know, it, it, it's it's leading us to uh, you know a pretty big moment for Sam here coming up over the next couple of issues of, of his book. Does that happen before or during Secret? Uh, that will that will all come to a head right before. Uh, that will all and, and and the two stories will connect and will dovetail in a really significant way. But again, my you know. My feeling was we've been telling this story with Sam, and I certainly didn't want to see uh, on the back half of our Sam story, I really didn't want to see that suddenly just get co-opted by, you know, uh, another story elsewhere. Uh, you know, because, you know, Sam certainly deserves his own story here. And, uh, uh, you know, for me, that was really important and really key that the two stories – can connect and help each other. Um, and, you know, you can even see kind of big picture how they fit together, or even just outside of plot, just, you know, in terms of the allegories and whatnot, uh, you know, you can see how they're related, but um, the, 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 the reality is, you know, that, that uh, Sam's story is really its own thing. And, and, uh, but 
they'll both, you know, kind of come to a head at once, and and at that point they'll they'll, they'll really join narratives. Okay, you know, and that, I've, it's been fun comparing Sam's story to when Bucky was Cap, and I and obviously they are different characters, and they are and they are uh, going to have different uh, results of, of them being Captain America, and I do think that. I, I know that there are there is uh, a portion of the audience that um, it might be hard for them to I don't know uh, the legacy characters in some cases may not work out as well but Sam is such a I mean he's been a part of the Captain America story as long as he has it was a natural conclusion that if Cap couldn't do the job when he's old that it would be somebody it could be somebody like Sam to take over and certainly what was happening with Bucky and and also just I don't know. I, because there are there is this decades long investment in Sam's story. Um, it's never not felt like Sam's story to me, obviously, and also, and I think most readers. And um, yeah, I, I just think because he's Cap and because he's wearing the suit, a lot of things are happening to him that probably wouldn't have happened to him if he had just stayed being the Falcon during this period as well. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's 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 fun to see him. You know, I mean, I don't mean to say, but like you say, it's. You you enjoy seeing these characters put through the grinder and and watching Sam's difficulties and stuff. No, it makes for interesting. Well, I, you know, I, look in terms of the the legacy character stuff. For me, Sam is always the most logical choice uh, to succeed, Steve. You know that, that really, if 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 you looked around, uh, you know he he is the guy. Uh, that I believe Steve would go to in that situation. Bucky made a lot of sense for Ed's story, you know, and because that run was so interconnected with with Bucky as a character, and uh, and also, you know, um, uh, I think you know the stuff that you got to explore with 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 Bucky as the character was was really fantastic. Um, but you know, for me. Uh, Sam strikes me as always being kind of the most likely candidate, and obviously this this wasn't my idea. You know, Rick Rick Remender, uh, you know, kind of saw this through and made it happen, and, and did the first arc with the character. Uh, and when I came in, so when I came in, that foundation was already laid, and and you know, the, the, all that stuff was already in place. And for me, I I just kind of came in and and. Uh, you know, obviously we were, you know, in the middle of the Obama era and, uh, you know, I looked at it and just said, you know, this is an African-American as Captain America. Not just an African-American, but an African-American uh, from Harlem who was a social worker uh, and a community organizer. He was, uh, you know, he'd been active politically. You know, he'd, he'd run for office, you know, considered running for office. He'd uh, you know, he had, uh, you know, taken some pretty direct stands. A lot of his early issues, he is, uh, you know, uh, very outspoken, uh, you know, and, and um, uh, you know, certainly doesn't hold his views back. And so, you know, I said, if that guy became Captain America, a lot of people would lose their minds overnight. You know, that would not be something that they would, that you know, that they would be cheering. And even if they were... Right at the beginning, as he took sides, and you know, as he did things, uh, you know, uh, that goodwill would vanish very quickly. And um, sure. uh, yeah, if this is all sounding familiar, 
uh, you know, and then, you know, from there, uh, you know, the media would very quickly, you know, realize that there were, you know, clicks to be had and headlines to be made uh, out of, uh, you know, this guy stepping in it. And, you know, uh, you know, the resistance to this guy. And, uh, you know, to me, that was the story. And on my end, I, you know, I grew up with the Grunwald run and, you know, had always been an admirer of that of that run and of the book during that time. And I had, you know, looked at Ed's run and looked at Rick's run. They were both really fantastic. And. Ed had done such an amazing job of kind of reconnecting uh, the book to that Steranko vibe and, you know, the, just, you know, really steeping it in spy stories. And, you know, then Rick had come in and done, you know, some really cool stuff, especially with Dimension Z and, you know, kind of an homage to the to the Kirby run uh, and, you know, kind of doing a sci-fi story. And I just looked at it and was like, it's been a long time since we had a cap run that was, you know, topical, uh, you know, that, that, that had kind of those Grunwald and Englehart villains, uh, you know, where they were kind of taking something from the newspapers, um, you know, and adding uh, super villainy, you know, and, and, and throwing them in the book. Uh, and I was like, you know, we should reconnect with that part of the character that, that, you know, it's fun when, uh, Flag Smasher shows up or the Superior shows up or, uh, you know, the Watchdogs show up and you can kind of see, oh, you know, this is who these characters are allegories for. Um, but, you know, conveniently within the story, they're always trying to attack someone or, you know, they are trying to take over the world. So you're never really forcing Captain America into a place where he has to give a diatribe on their views necessarily. You know, Sam is, just gets to say, like, I, I hear what you're saying about border security, but don't kidnap people. You know, uh, and, and that was kind of the magic of, of the Grunwald run, you know, always was, was that, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, it, you didn't have to have cap, you know, soapboxing all the time because you could just, ha- you know, and when you did, it could be about, you know, more big picture things. Uh, you know, instead, you you you, you just got the and violence is never okay uh, kind of answer, and and so I wanted to, you know, reconnect with that formula a little bit, um, and you know, what I learned is. That formula in an age of, of Twitter and social media, uh, you know, I never really intended for the book to become performance art. You know, uh, it, 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 uh, it's a really funny thing when, you know, your whole run is about, uh, you know, Sam comes out and says some stuff. And uh, then, you know, the media kind of take it and, you know, brutalize things out of context uh, and, you know, Sam can never really uh, respond to that. Uh, so it's kind of a funny thing when a couple of panels uh, from your book get grabbed and they, you know, go viral all over the all over the social medias and whatnot. And it's like, oh, you know, 
Nick Spencer is saying that Captain America hates, you know, whatever my political position is. And you're like, well, no, if you if you read the book, he doesn't really say anything about your political position either way. Uh, you know, he says, don't kidnap people or don't throw grenades or, you know, don't 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 bomb things. And, uh, uh, you know, but 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 that's kind of the age that we live in, you know, is, is it's advantageous for the folks who do that kind of thing to do it because they get a lot of attention and. Uh, you know, they, 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 uh, you know, they get to like stir things up a little and, and generate a little controversy. And, um, but, uh, it's really funny to me how over the course of the run, we've had, you know, villains who are kind of allegories maybe for right wingish things. And we've had, uh, characters who are allegories for left wingish things. Uh, and everybody is literally convinced that the book is out to get them. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's really funny because you're just like, well, you know, I, I did this to the other side of your argument, and you didn't really mind when I did that. I didn't hear from you then. Uh, but, uh, again, such is, such is the, 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 the world that we live in. But, you know, it's, it's, it's been fun for me. It's been, like I said, it's kind of been fun to, to get, cap, get a cap look back to that kind of brighter colors. And, Sorry, bud. No worries. I was looking up uh, Thunderbolt. Oh yeah, yeah. Continue. Continue. Sorry, and I hit a, hit of course the page with the video. <laughs> on, so go ahead. Uh, yeah, so you know, so but it was it's it's been fun to to get back to those villains to like kind of revisit a lot of that Grimwald Library and and bring in characters like U.S. Agent and uh, you know the Americops and and. Uh, you know, bring them kind of back into the into the, into the book has been great for me as as somebody who again kind of grew up loving that stuff. Well, and I I can appreciate that. I uh, like I said, I think I think well, both books are both books have an interesting point of view, and as you say, things are going to start to come to a head with Secret Empire now. What when um, we should look at some of the other players, obviously on the Steve Rogers side, uh, Red Skull, you know. Um, it, now Red Skull has the powers of Professor Xavier. He does, and 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 you know how aware is he that Steve is, you know, kind of doing all this stuff behind his back? Because certainly this was all to be in service of the Red Skull and his vision of Hydra. And then we learn that actually Steve's real mission is to replace the Red Skull and be the real leader of Hydra and everything. And that he's not fit, he feels the Red Skull's not fit to run Hydra. Yeah, I, I mean, and uh, that was kind of the plan from the start. It, 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 it's uh, in, to me, no matter who Steve is, or, or you know, how his uh, reality has been altered, and, and you know, whatever different background he's had, or whatever has happened to him, it's very hard to see how a person like Steve can ever be compatible with the Red Skull. They are that's that's part of the brilliance of the two characters is that they're uh, great opposites. Um, and so even when you make Steve Hydra, uh, you know, Steve is going to be the, uh, you know, thousands-year-old uh, version of Hydra is like an old order seeking, you know, world conquest and, and believing in, you know, peace through strength. And, and uh, you know, a lot of horrible things will come with that. Uh, but it's still going to be a very different conception than the Red Skulls, who, you know, is generally interested in uh, glorification of himself and, uh, you know, uh, brutal violence towards uh, anybody that he can get away with it towards. 
you know, that's kind of what makes the skull tick. You know, he's 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 kind of the the Marvel villain with no redeemable qualities. You know, he's 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 the one that uh, you can just always depict as truly awful with no sympathetic motivations or anything uh, in play. So um, so it, from the start, I kind of knew that that. Uh, you know, Steven the Skull would be incompatible and, and that Steve would have to be kind of working against him. Um, but the big challenge has obviously been uh, that the Red Skull is currently possesses the brain of Charles Xavier um, and that, you know, that greatly limits the action that Steve can take uh, against him. But, you know, we're, we're again, we're coming to a head, so... Uh, you know, if Steve wants to see his plan realized and, and, and wants to get done what he wants to get done and, and wants to restore Hydra, then, uh, you know, he's going to have to deal with that. And two other uh, villains are now wise to the fact that, that Steve is uh, working for Hydra, Taskmaster, and uh, uh, is it Aaron O'Grady? It's, the black it's Eric O'Grady, the, 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 the black ant. Uh, one of my favorites, you know, uh, lots of... A little, a little trivia on this. I had really wanted to do uh, an arc of Ant-Man uh, that would have involved Taskmaster and Black Ant in Begalia. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't get to do that uh, just because the schedule, just I had to, I had to wrap up Ant-Man, and, and uh, sure. it, was, it was a thing where uh, I was kind of coming to a natural end of that story, and it just didn't make a lot of sense to tack on two or three more issues just to do it. But, uh, you know, we, we call Taskmaster the sheriff of Begalia uh, all through all through our cap story, and that's uh, like a, a hat tip to the, to, the, to the Ant-Man story that I never got to write. But um, uh, Ant-Man, uh, or, sorry, uh, you know, Black Ant uh, has always been a character I've, I've been really fond of, and, and, um, uh, and he's great with Taskmaster. They make a, a, a great pair. And, uh, you know, they're kind of our uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern moving forward that, that they're, uh, you know, that they kind of uh, get to report, yeah, that, that they kind of get to be those guys and all this. And uh, we've got some, you know, some fun moments uh, coming up, you know, uh, with them. But, you know, as you see at the end of 11, they get themselves snatched up uh, by the new Madam Hydra, you know, who, who is Eliza Sinclair. And uh, so, you know, they're they're in a bit of trouble at the moment, but um, you know, they're 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 cagey, clever guys, and you know, and I'm sure they'll figure something out. <laughs> I like I like the idea of uh, two characters that kind of uh, idiotic being the ones to stumble on this. You know, Taskmaster can actually be a really effective, really capable villain, and I've, I've, I've written him that way too. But part of the fun of him is that you never know which version you're going to get, uh, you know, uh, and that sometimes he's a clown and sometimes he's a killer, and, and uh, you know, that kind of works to his advantage a lot. And uh, So, you know, but uh, I like the idea of these two kind of working-class bad guys being the ones to stumble on the biggest secret in the Marvel universe and immediately trying to get rich off of it and having it blow up in their faces. Uh, you know, that, that, that rang really true to me for those guys. Yeah, that was great when Aaron O'Grady's like, you know, Dad's just like, what does this mean? It's like, it means we're going to get Yeah, rich. exactly, exactly. I mean, that's the first thing. 
that they would think. They would immediately just be like, well, how can we make a quick buck off this? You know, and they, and I guarantee you, no matter what they would have, if it had all worked out for them, no, no matter what they would have gotten for it, they would have gotten ripped off because, you know, that's, that's, that's that guy, right? The, the, the guys that, uh, you know, sell their, their, sell their invention for a million bucks and, and watch it go on to make tens of billions. Uh, well, and familiar, familiar, familiar territory for you because it's kind of that superior foes of Spider-Man kind of yeah. thing where, yeah. the, you know, these guys, yeah, best laid plans and, and how are they going to go wrong for them. So no, yeah, Tasman and Blackhand are very much kind of in that, that, that same corner. <laughs> very cool. No, that's great. Okay, so as you say, we'll learn more about uh, Alistair Sinclair. Is that her name? Uh, Eliza. Eliza Sinclair. Eliza Sinclair. Excuse me, Eliza Sinclair. We'll learn more about her in thirteen and fourteen moving forward. Thirteen and fourteen have a lot of a lot of Zemo and a lot of Madame Hydra. Uh, so cool. you know we're going to be spending a lot of time on their parts of the story here over the next two because they're going to be they're going to be big players. If you've seen the Secret Empire covers, uh, you know they're on uh, the cover for the Free Comic Book Day. Uh, you know, so they're they're they're, they're going to be a big deal going forward. What else, uh, what other books, I mean, I know that uh, there have been interludes in Thunderbolts and Uncanny Avengers and Deadpool. Um, are there any other, you know, books leading up to Secret Empire that we should be paying attention to? Those are the big ones. You know, if you're reading Thunderbolts, you'll definitely be getting some good stuff that's, that'll, that'll really connect up in a major way. And obviously Thunderbolts kind of came out of, uh, um, out of Avengers standoff and has heavily involved Bucky and Kobik. Um, and obviously Zemo is going to be very interested in, in, you know, his old Thunderbolts crew. So, uh, that's all kind of on a definite collision course. Uh, so the stuff that they're doing in particular, the stuff that they're doing right now here in this 10th anniversary arc and all that, uh, that's, um, uh, definitely a, a 10th anniversary or 20th. I can't, I, I can't quite. Probably 20th. It's 20, right? It's gotta be 20. I think it's, I think it's I'm, 20. It's I'm gotta sure be. It's yeah. 20. Uh, no, no, but yeah, yeah, but, yeah. No, uh, and I mean, and you know, yeah. they've come in and out, so it's fair to like forget. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so um, it, 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 it's uh, that that story is definitely going to come on a collision course. Uncanny Avengers is definitely in the stuff that they're doing right now with the Red Skull. Um, it's not it's it's not going to seem like an overt connection right away, but then by the time you get to the end, spoiler. Uh, you know, you, you'll definitely see that, that, that the stories are, are tightly connected and, and, and help each other. So uh, so Uncanny Avengers is, is definitely one to check out. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Deadpool uh, is doing a, a great run-up story and, and um, uh, you know, did some great stuff with, with, uh, with Phil Coulson, uh, you know, maybe spotting uh, something not quite right uh, with Steve. So um, it's an interesting kind of position to put Wade in because he obviously idolizes Cap, and Cap gave him a chance to be an Avenger and and, and all that. So uh, he's 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 a great character to kind of come at this from from a different angle. So uh, you know, and, and again, that will uh, feed into to, to Secret Empire as well. Very cool. So Free Comic Book Day. Um, is it a Steve Rogers Captain America book, or is that Secret, Secret Empire? Empire? Secret Empire. Uh, Secret Empire. That's yeah, zero. Secret right? Empire is zero. The sixteenth uh, issue of of Cap 
which is kind of the end of the road to Secret Empire, uh, and the zero issue of Secret Empire will both come out on the same day. I believe it's uh, towards the end of April. It's, I think, the third week of April. Uh, then uh, Secret Empire number one will come out the first week of May, and that weekend, the free comic book day uh, will come out. Um, so, you know, you can go into the shop on free comic book day, the zero will be there. The, the, the first issue will be there. Your free comic book day issue will be there. And, you know, all of the run up, uh, in Steve cap will all be there. So you can really, you know, come in that week fresh, uh, you know, give the story a shot. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like how it's all, how it's all laid out, you know, the, and, and, uh, we we shipped three issues of Secret Empire in May, um, which uh, I, I'm really happy about because while it's you know very trying on everybody from a production standpoint, um, you're going to get hit with a lot of story very quickly, and you know it's a big big story. You know, like 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 the scale of this thing is pretty unreal, and um, uh, I think. You know, having so many issues come out in such short order will really help it. It'll really help you get immersed into it, and uh, uh, it's it's the kind of it's it's the kind of story that really demands it. So uh, I, I'm pretty happy about it. I, w- I definitely would prefer it, you know, over uh, the first issue coming out in May and the second issue coming out in June or whatever. This this would be a uh, a really good way to get you all in. There's This touches a lot of corners of the Marvel Universe, and so it takes us a little time to kind of go through all of them and touch base with all of them and and kind of lay that foundation. Uh, And the first three issues, conveniently, are kind of the issues that will do that. So uh, eight issues total or six issues total? Nine issues total, plus the the zero and the free comic book day. So, I mean, it's a monster. Well... I'm glad to hear that, honestly, because I really felt like the clone conspiracy only being five issues and the explanation that, yeah, that's the action movie cut and you're getting more in Amazing Spider-Man, I got it, and I don't know how they're going to ultimately trade it, but it just seemed to me that, you know, I'm for a story taking, you know, ten issues or a maxi-series, you know, even twelve, and I'm glad that it is on an accelerated uh, release so that we get it faster, but I want these stories to have the room to breathe because just like in Clone Conspiracy, there are going to be some uh, confrontations and conversations. I imagine in Secret Empire that are going to be big character moments. Well, for what I would, I would say a couple things to that. Yeah, um, you are going to get on this one the full Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings treatment here. This is. Uh, uh, I, you know, like, like, uh, it, 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 loads of these issues went way over on page count. Uh, you know, so you're getting, you're getting a lot of extra pages, uh, you know, without the, without the price actually going up. Uh, I was going to ask that too. So, okay. so, they're going to, it's going to stay three. Uh, I believe the first one is four ninety nine, uh, but I mean, it's, it's over 40 pages. So, I mean, okay. it's it's a monster, you know. Okay. Like like like, so you're you're paying, you know, two fifty 
uh, you know, for for twenty pages there. So it it's sure. you know it's definitely a good deal. Um, okay. And uh, you know, the, yeah. So the issues are are, are packed. Uh, the panel counts packed. Uh, then you know we we do have uh, the the Steve Rogers cap book and the Sam Wilson cap book will also be uh, you know connecting to the story very tightly. I kind of compare it to Infinity, you know, where the you know there was the main series, but then you know there was Avengers and New Avengers, which were you know uh, very nearly as integral. You can opt to just read the event, and you'll be fine, you'll be able to follow, but my highest recommendation is to read, you know, at least the Steve and Sam books, because we really got to, to flesh some good stuff out in those, um, you know, and uh, and especially as we go on, those get to be closer and closer to really integral, like the, like the last couple of those, uh, it would be a real shame to see people miss them, and you know, we'll have the thing in the back, I'm sure, to kind of, you know, help you know, you know, what to read and and, and everything like that and, and, you know, the proper order of everything. But um, it is really, uh, yeah, it, it, you, nobody's going to think that the story has been, you know, condensed or abbreviated. The, 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 the kind of rapid timeline of it uh, really just came from, I, you know, I personally was of a strong belief. We figured out pretty early on that it was not going to be a single artist involved. You know, that just it's it's been tried a lot, and the reality is it's just so demanding on the artist. Uh, you know, you run into delays because they've got to do you know eight nine issues in a row. People things happen in people's lives. Uh, sure. You know, if people don't understand how work intensive and time intensive drawing on a comic is. Uh, you know, it's it's an incredibly uh, strenuous job. Uh, you know, the deadlines are brutal. And, you know, the reality is, unless you get started, you know, some, literally, you know, a year plus in advance, um, you know, that th- you're asking an awful lot of any artist. And so, you know, we figured out really early on that, that especially with this being me, and, you know, my tendency to add in extra pages and to need stuff, uh, you know, that it was just not a realistic thing. And so from there, it really became, well, in some ways, I prefer having, you know, three or four artists involved than two. That, you know, to me, uh, you know, the transitions become a little more natural uh, if you just are kind of accepting that, you know, from issue to issue – there's a change up here, you know, where when it goes off the rails, typically is when you get to like issue seven and it's been the same person drawing. And then all of a sudden halfway through, it's somebody else drawing, uh, you know, and that, that's, that's when, you know, you run into trouble uh, in my experience, you know, that, that if you go into it with a plan, uh, you know, you, you, you can, you can make it work to your advantage. And if you're, writing to those artists from the start and you're understanding that, you know, who's drawing one is different from who's drawing two. That can affect how you end those, end and begin those issues. Uh, so, you know, we made it really easy on ourselves. We said, you know, there's going to be four artists involved in this thing. Um, Name of oh, yeah, of course. Uh, it's uh, Steve McNiven. 
which is a huge deal for me. Uh, then uh, Andrea Sorrentino is going to come in. Terrific. And, oh, my God, he's he's the person that I've seen, like, the most pages from, uh, you know, because he's, he's, he's a pretty fast guy, and uh, they are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and then uh, 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 Daniel Acuna, uh, you know, my partner on Sam Wilson, Captain America, is doing the Zero Issue and might be back for more, who can say? Uh, and... Uh, um, you know, I, I just I I've gotten to work with Daniel for for uh, you know a couple of years now, and uh, you know he's just absolutely incredible. And uh, and yeah. Linnell Yu, um, who again is one Excellent. of my all time favorite artists, and um, so it was a real wish list for me. I got exactly who I wanted, and uh, you know the 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 list is even better than I'd hoped for. Um, and you know I'm seeing pages from everybody, and, and you know the book is just absolutely beautiful. You know it's it, it definitely uh, when you start getting the stuff in, and you're dealing with that many artists at that caliber, uh, you know you're like, oh my job is easier. Then I realized you know that, that a lot of a, a lot of, of of the work is being done by these guys, and they're they're carrying me pretty far, and um, you know so. Uh, so I feel, I feel, you know, um, uh, really good about, about the package. And, um, and, and the other part of that though was, uh, I'm kind of of the belief that summer events should come out in the summer, you know? And well, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. They kind of benefit if you can do them, uh, on the accelerated timeline and, and you can do them with multiple artists. You really should, because these stories tend to happen in such a way that, that uh, you know, when people start them, they're really into them. But, you know, the, the nature of event-style storytelling, where you're trying to tell stories of that scope and scale, I mean, that if there's long gaps between the issues and, and things like that, it can be really hard on the audience to stay that invested. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so... Well, if I may, real fast, I, I, I think the audience is well aware that real life will happen and stuff. And the, the real question, frankly, from a fan standpoint is, what took you guys so long, meaning the publishers, to uh, accommodate uh, and have these multiple artists? Because the argument that, yes, but it looks so much better when it's the same artist through and through, hey, of course it could. But, again, it's been pretty obvious for the last couple of years that real life is just intervenes, and, and there's not much you can do about it. And instead, yeah, delays, and unfortunately, it takes the heart out of the story. It takes the surprise out of the event, because the fallout of the new uh, storylines and new books that come out of these events are out before the... the I mean, it, yeah. obviously, it just happened with Civil War. Everybody knows it. And again, hey, man... You know, Marque- Dave Marquez is a great guy, and I don't think anyone personally blames him. And, and oh, no, no, of course. They had a baby, and, and all this stuff happened. But that's the thing, and frankly, look, if you're going to be on this breakneck pace of, well, this event's going to happen, and it's going to happen in this compressed time, and these books are going to come out of it, well, you got two choices. You either delay the, intro- the introduction of these new books until the event is done, and maybe financially that's not feasible, well, the other solution is then, you know, bite the bullet and accept that 
if you're on this double and triple shipping of of books, get artists that can accommodate that schedule, or and enough artists. It's not any particular artist. It's the fact that you need yeah. enough artists to make that virtually schedule. virtually no think, artists. Yeah, you know, you could probably count right. on one hand. Uh, well, yeah, one Jack Kirby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? it's, it's, it's a really small <laughs> list of artists that you, that you know that 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 you can ask anything resembling this kind of workload of, and right. so you know we we just and and again you know these are things that uh, you know we have the luxury of you know uh, being able to to look at at attempts you know prior and everything in a way that they didn't. So you know it, it's it's a thing where uh, look I would have greatly preferred, uh, you know, to just have one artist that feeding, feeding four sure. artists is, 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 uh, you know, very, very taxing for a writer. But, um, it, 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 at the same time, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a thing where, um, we just, we, 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 we had the luxury, I would say, of, of hindsight, you know, and that, that, that we, sure. um, you know, we were able to make these calls pretty early on because uh, when everybody, when the defense, you know, the argument for a single artist is always kind of the same thing. It's so this is going to sit on a shelf for a very long time as a collection, and you'd love for it to just look exactly the same uh, all throughout. But you know, we we have this on all of our books anymore. You know, like 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 if if a book gets collected into an omnibus or whatever, and you've got you know twenty issues of your of your Marvel run in there. Uh, odds are very strong because of the double shipping and, and, and whatnot that there's going to be three, four artists involved in that collection. This is just, sure. it, it's kind of a shit that's out. I'm, I'm very glad that we made the decision. It's, this is hard enough yeah. doing it the way that we're doing it. But, um, you know, it was, it was important to us. It was important that, that, you know, we could approach the retailers with some confidence, uh, and the audience and say, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do everything in our power to, to, to get this out and get this out as quickly as possible. It's still like, so even with four, it, because we on the other side, you know, instead of the book wrapping in October and November, we're wrapping in August. So it doesn't totally make it easy for us because like we, you know, we still have a whole thing of, of just, you know, the, the, the artist's second issue is, you know, coming right on the heels of their first in, in a lot of cases. So, uh, you know, it's, it's still a, an enormous challenge and, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful. I, you know, I work with the, the, the best editor in comics and top Revoort, and he's been through this, uh, you know, a million times and knows a lot better than me, uh, you know, the production demands of it. And, um, uh, you know, he's, he's done a phenomenal job, uh, you know, keeping it all running and keeping it together. I don't make it easy. Uh, you know, so, um, uh, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I have a huge advantage in that regard and you know, we'll see how it goes, but it's certainly we're doing everything in our power this time to, again, make our summer event occur over the summer and, uh, you know, to, it's, it's a, it's a really, when you, when you see what the story is, you'll definitely get why we didn't want it to, you know, go to, you know, however long that, you know, it, it, it's best told, uh, you know, yeah, over, over, over short, or short stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you, man. No. And honestly, I, like I said, it's, it's a periodical first, it's a monthly or, or a, a several times a month, uh, magazine before it is collected. 
And, you know, everyone just has to, you know, recognize that. And, and I think having multiple artists will accommodate uh, that kind of schedule better than putting all the pressure on one person. So, yeah, I, I mean, believe me, I hope it does work out because I do see both sides. And I respect the art, you know, art integrity of having one guy. But, again, it's, you know, th- these are the deadlines. And this is this is what the companies have set up. Of course. Up. It's, it's, and that's it's fine. a really yeah, difficult... You know, uh, you yeah. know, it's, it, they're, they're really difficult choices to make, um, you know, and I, you know, like I've been in the situation where books that I really care about, uh, you know, and scripts that I felt really strong about, uh, you know, we just had it with, uh, with the oath, you know, like that, that, uh, you know, we got a later start on that than we would have liked. And, uh, you know, Rod, Rod Reese came in, did a phenomenal job on, on his pages, but, you know, it was, it was clear uh, you know that 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 uh, you know that there wasn't enough time uh, for him to do the whole thing. Uh, I was extremely nervous about it. That, that you know, like I, I, you know, it was a script that I really loved that I'd been waiting a long time to do. Uh, you know, and Tom was, you know, felt really confident that you know we could, you know, find some artists that could that could do a great job on the remaining pages and make it all work and make it all feel cohesive. Uh, and, you know, sure enough, the book came out, you know, uh, you know, and we got a really phenomenal, really positive response to it. Um, you know, and, and that I think helped my mindset going into this as well. Of Just like, uh, you can make these things work if there's enough of a plan and there's enough of a care, uh, you know, put in, uh, it'll be okay. So, um... Uh, you know, it, it, everybody's working very hard to, uh, uh, you know, to make this thing happen the way it's supposed to. I hear you, man. No, awesome. And and truly, like I said, I've, I've, I've been on board since day one. I think this was what I was hoping it would lead to, obviously. And, uh, well, thanks. You know, yeah. In terms of, a, you know, this kind of we're finally going to see the Marvel Universe wake up to the fact that, the most trusted man in the Marvel universe is its greatest. Enemy. Yeah, you know, it's it's it, for me. It's funny. Um, look, it's been a very, very long time since. Let's be honest. An event book uh, came out, and you didn't hear lots of people on the internet say something along the lines of, "Oh God, another one of these." <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not oblivious to these things, you know. Like, like, sure. but you know, I, I mean, one thing I can say is. I was a fan, and, you know, like, like uh, back when, you know, House of M hit and Civil War hit, and I can remember that same stuff getting said back then. You know, the people back then were like, why do we keep doing these events? Uh, so, you know, and now we look at those stories, and we say, well, what were the big Marvel stories of, of that decade? And sure enough, you know, we, we, we mentioned... House of M and 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 uh, you know Civil War and Secret Invasion and stuff like that. Like that's that's, that's what we talk about. Uh, you know. Yeah, but in, fa- in fairness, Nick, they they are coming faster. They absolutely, are. absolutely. And like I will give my impassioned defense of event comics <laughs> that long predates uh, me writing one. I have always liked them. I have kind of a soft spot for them uh, because. In, in my view, if I want to just do uh, a self-contained story that's an island unto itself, I'll go write an image book. 
Like, like that's, you know, like, like, uh, you know, that, that's, that's not a hard choice for me. A huge part of the advantage, um, uh, and thrill of, of doing Marvel books, uh, is, uh, the interconnected universe. And, and not just the interconnected universe, but the opportunity to do those really big stories, uh, where, you know, the, the, where the cast is huge and where you can really shake things up. And, and to me, uh, you know, I, look, I read, the original Secret Wars as a kid, and I was all in. You know, it, it was, it, it, to me, sure. uh, it's a fantastic way to tell stories. Um, and, you know, I think in terms of the frequency uh, of events and, 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 and what have you, you know, I think that uh, it's getting more and more, it's getting to be more and more of a challenge to explain to the audience uh, you know, that this story is a big deal. You know, that the, 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 this story is one of the ones, uh, you know, that you're hopefully going to look back at, one of the stories that you're going to, to, to remember, um, you know, and that the big status quo things are going to happen uh, out of this. Um, I think the, the key with events is the, the same thing as the key – with, uh, uh, you know, team-up books or the same thing with, with anthologies or, you know, the same thing with weekly books. You know what the secret to all of these things are? The book has to be good. Like, yeah. if it, if it, look, people say that, like, summer blockbusters are bad. Like, if you say, uh, you know, if you talk about summer blockbusters broadly, uh, you know, in terms of movies, uh, you know, people will say, oh, it's the lowest common denominator, trash. You know, and then you say, hey, what would you think about that Avengers movie? Or, you know, you, you say, you know, hey, what would you think of The Dark Knight? You know, or, or, or what have you. People are like, I love that movie. I love that movie so much. And, of course, lots of summer movies come out every year, uh, you know, that aren't good. Uh, you know, or, you know, that, that, that maybe don't strike a chord with the audience. But, um, you know, the reality is there's no delivery method or, you know, type of story that doesn't work. What, what You know, it, it really just comes down to whether or not the story congeals. It just, it, it, at the end of the day, uh, again, it can, be a, it can be a weekly book, it can be a graphic novel, it can be an anthology, it can be a double feature, it can be, uh, you know, it can be whatever. Uh, people like good stories. Uh, sure. So, you know, uh, for me, I don't really worry when I see people having big conversations about how they don't like events, because I'm not writing an event. I'm writing a story, you know, the story, the story hits the check marks of, of an event. I get why we do this story this way. This is not at all a story that you could do uh, in the Captain America books alone or anything like that and hope to do it any kind of justice. Um, But, you know, for me, and the other thing for me is, is, uh, but uh, going back to that for a second, just just broadly, you know, conversations about delivery methods kind of bore me because I'm 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 just like none of this stuff matters, you know. It really just comes down to what's on the page, and uh, for me, I ha- I have a high level of confidence in in this story because it it grew organically, you know. Uh, this was not this was not something that. Uh, we, you know, uh, like everybody sat down in a room and said, oh, God, we, we got to fill a hole in the summer schedule. Uh, you know, what are we going to what, what what are we gonna do? Yeah. 
uh, and it wasn't me doing an arc of Captain America and, uh, you know, somebody coming to me and saying, do you think there's a way to make this, you know, make this bigger and, uh, you know, do it this way? When I pitched this, I said, you know, this part should be an event that, you know, that this, that this needs to be that, you know, and it was, it was, uh, pitched that way at my desk, you know, in an email to, to Tom and, you know, they were just insane enough to go along with it. Um, so for me, it's kind of like all this external conversation about, uh, you know, events or, you know, uh, broad sentiment towards this kind of storytelling. Uh, that's stuff that I hear it, uh, but it goes in a box of, you don't know what I have on the page. And, of course, like, you can never say with 100% certainty that people are going to respond to your story or whatever, but uh, I generally am able to look at my scripts and, and have, a, have a pretty fair I, – I know when I've written one that's, that's, that's probably going to click, and I know when I've written one that maybe doesn't, and I, I'm rarely wrong about that. Like, like, you know, I think I have a decent sense for when – uh, the stuff is going to go over, and uh, you know the stuff that that, that 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 we've done so far, and that's in, and the stuff that's getting drawn. Uh, you know, I feel really, really good about our story. I really believe in it. That's great. It's yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's it's a thing where I think that event comics are probably one of the easiest things to be cynical about, and I think that there's always a feeling that they're you know cash ins or or what have you. Uh, I, I, I've heard all that stuff both as a fan and a creator for years. Um, sure. You know, uh, I can only tell you that I myself take this story very personally. You know, that, that it's a story that I care about, and it definitely is not a. Uh, sometimes I've heard from guys when they're like writing one of these things, and you know, it 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 sounds like everybody drew straws. You know, like like you can definitely you know, and and it's it's easy to understand how that happens because they are so exhausting to work on. They are the treadmill is just brutal. Uh, but I've never like lost my joy for this story. Like I get excited while I'm writing it, and you know, I get I get excited for for uh, you know people to read it. And um, again, you know, a lot of times when you've lived with ideas for so long. Uh, and you finally get to write them. It's a really fulfilling thing. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, who knows? We could we could talk, you know, in 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 six months, and I could be like, I'm sorry that didn't work out. <laughs> but from where I sit right now, uh, I, you know, I I I, you I sometimes will say say stuff like that to you know to 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 other guys in the town. Like I'll just be like, I, I think I'm pretty sure this is good. Like I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this this isn't a massive disaster or anything. Uh, you know, it's a, I get you, man. So you know, we'll we'll see. No, I understand, and honestly, I uh, that was just you know the macro view of how events have been happening and how they've turned out. And honestly, as a reader of you know the Steve Rogers book since day one, I think you have been very uh, careful at how you're doing the story, and I think uh, it's. You know, no, I think I think it's very, like you said, organically heading to this culmination. 
And yeah, I think everything well, along and, the way and the other, the other thing to keep know. in mind is uh, events go pretty broad in terms of audience penetration. You know that they reach a lot of folks that just they don't come into the shop every Wednesday. Like you know, like they, they like they they're not hardcore readers. They're kind of casual. You know, they pick it up from time to time. And what you find in looking at like the initial responses and stuff, uh, you know, is you suddenly you you start hearing from all of those folks. You know, like you start hearing from folks who like they, you know, when Marvel announces an event, they get really genuinely excited. And sometimes, you know, within like you know people who are talking about thinking about comics every day, uh, you know, there's a little more fatigue. Um, but the folks who come into shops on free comic book day, look, there's a reason why Marvel does these things right around that time. You know, sure. because a lot of the folks of who come in, you know, to them. It, you know that's the really exciting good stuff that they that they want to check out and, and you know of course it's another audience and there there are a lot of them so uh, you know I'm I, I'm kind of you know interested and excited to see how they respond to it too. I hear you, man. No, no, and and uh, agreed. And they should be hit in the face with wait a minute, what's going on? Oh, I want to read this because, like you said, it does. It goes back to the compelling covers and a lot of. You know, big events will have that kind of, what the hell's going on? I want to see this, and I want to read more. So we can check back if you want uh, at the beginning of the event. Absolutely. It works, but I... I, I feel like know, honestly, I feel like once man, we I, get through, you know, once the first issue in the free comic book day and the zero out, we're definitely going to want to talk again because uh, there, are, there are things that happen in those issues that um, we'll, just, we'll just say the Internet is not going to be... is not done with me yet. Like, they... they, they <laughs> I have, I have not right. yet. Uh, I, I, I still have just this tiny shred of audience goodwill, and I'm, I'm desperate to spend that capital. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know, uh, there are going to be a lot of paragraphs written about the things that we do in uh, Steve in the la- in that that last issue of Steve before it, the zero, the one, the free comic. They, they are all. Uh, I mean, we we hit you really hard out of the cage. So, um, yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm I'm really excited. Well, I hope that there are enough uh, Nick Fury uh, secret hideouts that haven't been found yet that you can hide in when uh, the Internet comes to attack. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep keep me in your prayers. (laughs) And uh, as always, a pleasure. Hey, Uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, man, no, no, we'll uh, we'll check it. And seriously, man, I know I, I say this I said this last time too. We got to talk about the fix because I really, uh, you know, so we really have to do a fix conversation. Definitely, me. definitely. Maybe you know, uh, maybe next time we can carve out a little time and 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 uh, talk about it a little. But you know, we we just got to or a separate podcast. Yeah, I would love that. You know, I, would, I would love that. You know, uh, the book is my baby. We're we're having a a, a great time working on Steve. Is just. Steve Lieber is just, you know, one of the most gifted storytellers in comics. And, and uh, uh, you know, we just wrapped our second arc, and, uh, you know, the trade and the, the start of the third arc are hitting here in April. So uh, okay, cool. things, are, things are starting to roll downhill, so that's going to be fun. All right, well, let's maybe end a March or something like that before the before the next dark starts. That would be like that. Maybe that's the time to do it. So, okay, beautiful. Thank you, Nick Spencer. Thank you for the fun cap and uh, Sam stories that you're doing. And uh, also, of course, the fix. And uh, I, I look forward to you uh, angering more people in the, in the months ahead. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Ed. That's Nick Spencer. I'm going to do my best to uh, keep tabs on uh, Secret Empire. 
as the uh, event unfolds, and we'll have Nick back to uh, talk about this. Like I said, I'm really excited for this event. I think uh, it's a great opportunity to uh, show Captain America at his cunning best in a way that we've never seen before. We've seen him take down the villains. What happens when he's the villain? Sounds like a great story. Today's Word Balloon was brought to you by ECCframes.com. A great way to preserve, protect, and display your favorite collectibles. Go to their website, eccframes.com. Enter Word Balloon in the promo code. You'll receive an additional discount. And I'm telling you, they do a great job preserving and displaying your favorite collectibles. eccframes.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where you can find great collections like the Adventures Initiative Complete Collection, Trade Paperback Volume 1, Dan Slott, Chris Gage, many artists, including Jimmy Chung. Uh, it was a great thing that came out during Secret Invasion, and uh, it was uh, our, uh, a new uh, initiative to uh, recruit new heroes and get them involved in the Avengers. Lots of great stories in there. Uh, 42% off, just $20.00. And 29 cents. You can get the DC Bombshells Trade Paperback Volume 3, Uprising, Marguerite Bettet's wonderful story with uh, Mirka and Dolfo and Laura Braga on art chores. It is 42% off, $11.59. World War II from a different point of view in DC's Bombshells. You get Wolverine versus the Marvel Universe, a great collection of stories that, uh, man, I'm just looking at some of these things. Uh, we're talking about Captain America Annual number 8, uh, going back to Daredevil number uh, 249, Spider-Man versus Wolverine number 1, Incredible Hulk 340, Wolverine versus Thor, the three-issue miniseries, the Marvel Universe versus Wolverine 1 through 4, and lots more. Uh, this uh, collection is 42% off, just $20.29. From Valiant, Wrath of the Eternal Warrior, Volume 3, Deal with the Devil. Robert Vendetti and Robert Gill and Michael Spicer uh, present this volume, 30% off, $10.49. Some of the great deals waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to today's Word Balloon. Uh, I am off to uh, Salt Lake City uh, for Fanex. If you are in the area and attending the con, I hope you'll give me the chance to uh, say hello to you and thank you personally for your support on uh, Word Balloon. Thank you very much. And thank you to my League of Word Balloon listeners and their continued support of uh, Word Balloon. Don't forget, if you'd like to uh, subscribe to Word Balloon, you can do that via patreon.com slash wordballoon. Until next time, thanks a lot for listening. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2017.